0: I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. So I straight up overnight manifested 1 million followers. And some of you are out there like trying to get a million followers. I manifested it. I literally like went to bed thinking, what do I need to do to get a million followers? And the next day, the next afternoon, I got 1 million followers. It wasn't 1 million followers on social media. Someone dropped this book off <laughs> at my house the next day. True story, 1 million followers by Brendan Kane. And so I read the book, 1 million followers. I've read it cover to cover. You're about to meet Brendan. We've kind of hang out in some of the same circles. We've never met in person though. This is our first time interacting. He has a new book called Hook Point. How to stand out in a three-second world, and he's worked with a lot of celebrities. He's worked with Rihanna and people like that, Taylor Swift, and for years, like MTV, working like helping with that. And some of my other friends I know, Vision from Mind Valley, and people you would recognize. But kind of like his personal claim to fame was that he built a million followers in thirty. Days. So anyways, I'm just really excited to meet him in person and introduce him to y'all because you might not, you may not know him or maybe you do. But anyways, Brendan, welcome to the
1: show. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to connect with you and everybody listening to this.
0: Yeah, man. So how do you get a million followers? I mean, that's the name of the book. That's like what you did. And, you know, just to kind of dive into that as, as a starting point, like if you had to sum it all up in
1: a couple sentences, how do you do it? Well, I mean, at a very simple high level, is you create a piece of content, you put it in front of somebody and that motivates them to click the follow button. That is the simple way to do it. Now, it's not necessarily easy because there's a lot of nuance that comes into specifically the content side of things. There's many different ways that you can do it. You can do it through paid acquisition, through paid advertising, distribution of content through other channels or influencers, giveaways. You can do it that way or you can do it purely through the content and playing to what the algorithms are looking for and get mass reach because the algorithms deem your content is playing to the goals that they've set forth. We've done it every single way. We've tested every single way. We continue to test every single way. But first and foremost, it comes down to what is the piece of content that is going to motivate or inspire somebody to be like, I need to go and follow this account. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, well you just that's interesting just in and of itself you kind of lifts it off like four big buckets there. Paid influencers, giveaways and in organic and like when I think about my personal journey like we had six figure followings and then we sold our accounts when we sold our company back in 2018 and I actually had to start over in 2018 and most of the followers that we have now are from influencers they have come from just our network appearing on other people's shows. We've never done a giveaway. We do do organic we've never done paid. So let's talk about paid. If you had, let's just say, let's say you had $20,000 and I would say, okay, I'm going to just go, I'm going to put $20,000 aside sheerly with the objective of growing my reach and growing my following. How would you spend that 20
1: grand? It depends on the business. So it's a a great question. And the the first place that I always start when working with a client is really understanding the fundamental goals. Because there's a lot of people out there that will think, okay, if I get 10,000 more followers, 100,000, a million followers, my business is going to take off. I'm going to sell a bunch of product. My profit margin is going to go through the roof. I'm not going to sit here and say that that never happens. But it's a longer-term play. Like Building an audience is a longer-term play for the business. So if it was a business to be like, I need leads, I need revenue, I need to generate profit, then we're going to take that $20,000 and work on lead gen campaigns or conversion-based campaigns to drive that revenue, drive that profit that can then be reinvested in the growth. Because is it as effective if you sell a product and correlate that purchaser into a follower versus going straight after a follower. No, but does it happen? Yes. Like if you sell a lot of product through paid acquisition, it will lead to followers if your product really resonates with you with them. If your brand does. Now let's just put that aside. That's the first step that I take. Now if we're just like no, we've got our revenue, we've got our lead gen campaigns, we've got all of that set up. I just want to go after followers, then it heavily dictates the platform that you're going on. But one of the most successful ways that we found, and you've alluded to it because you did it organically, is if you have other people sharing your content on their channels, that will lead to follower growth. It's all a distribution model. It's like, how can I get my content distributed on other channels that will lead back to mine? And there's several different ways, like you said, organically, I do interviews on podcasts, or I'm friends with influencers, or work with influencers, and they talk about me in their posts, or they have me on their podcast, or they talk about me on their stories. That's one way of doing it. A second way of doing it, one of the successful ways with Instagram is meme accounts, you know, accounts that are all around a specific niche. Like there's meme accounts around quotes, like the good quote, or inspirational pages, like note for me. There's ones around food or fitness and things like that. And that whole ecosystem is built off of selling advertising, quote unquote, like um, a shout out on their account to correlate back to the followers. So if you don't have those influencer connections, meme accounts are kind of that next best thing, the next best tactic that you can do. You can leverage the paid advertising networks, but we haven't really seen a high enough conversion rate to warrant the spend behind that. I'm not saying that I haven't heard of people having success with it. We've tested extensively ourselves. Facebook super easy to use those platforms for follower acquisition. The other platforms not so much. But I think at the at the high level we look at just how do you get your content distributed across? And I'll look let's look at some larger examples. Is like you look at The Rock for example, who I think is still like the most followed person on Instagram. People will say, "Well, he grew that completely organically." No, he didn't. Mm. Every movie he's in, that marketing budget for that movie is $100 million plus. He was in the WWE for years. That company spends tens of millions of dollars to market their people. Or if you follow tennis, recently a young girl, an 18 year old girl, won the US Open. She went from, I think, like 100 or 200,000 followers to 2 million followers in a two week span. Wow. Because of that distribution of her being on television. There was another breakdown that I, I saw a guy hit a million sub subscribers on YouTube. He did a collaboration with Mr. Beast. So if you wanna just think about generating followers at a high level, it's all about how can I get my content distributed in front of the audience that I want and making sure that that story or that connection to that content that they're, they're seeing will correlate back to them saying, well, I want to follow this account. So it's like what I learned early on in the movie industry when I first started is go where the traffic is, don't start it from scratch. And even the core social platforms we're talking about were built this way. So YouTube was sold for $1.7 billion, and I think it was under 24 months. How did they do that? Well, the predominant player at the time was MySpace, and MySpace didn't have a video player. So YouTube had created one of the first embeddable YouTube players, So people that had MySpace profiles would see their friend upload a video to YouTube or take a movie trailer or something, put it on their profile. And then when you saw your friend had one, you would click the YouTube logo because you're like, I want one. So that's how YouTube scaled their traffic so quickly is Mm. harnessing the traffic of a different source. The same principles apply to growing a social following. And as we mentioned, there's many different ways that you can get your content in front of people, but it's all about how do we get our content, our brand, our message out to where the traffic is and then drive it back to follow our account. Wow. Yeah, that is such a simple
0: but powerful concept. It's interesting. And so when I said, if I was going to put money into it, your thought would be not going promote your page or take a piece of content and like boost it or run it as an ad on Facebook or Instagram. But your thought would be to go, where can I find like a meme account? More, more like you're paying an influencer or you're paying whatever you could, whoever, that person more like a brand deal rather than run it as advertising. How do you find those accounts? And then how do you contact them and like get their rates and pricing and stuff?
1: Yeah. Finding them is just searching. Like one of the greatest assets and the reasons that we're successful that I find other people don't do is we are constantly doing research. I've been in the social media space since 2005. And still to this day, me and my team are always passing references back and forth, looking at content, looking at content creators. And if you do that, it's pretty easy to find. Like you just search, like if you're a fitness instructor, go into Instagram, go into Facebook, type in fitness, see what type of accounts come up that are meme driven. Again, it's not an influencer, it's not a brand, it's an account all about that. Or like travel, there's a lot of travel based ones. Like Beautiful Destinations is a perfect example of a meme account around travel. It takes a little bit of time, but it's pretty easy to find if you're actually looking for it. Mm -hmm. And then most of these companies, Even influencers themselves, they'll have an email for business opportunities, contact this email, or you can direct message them and you can straight out ask them, like, what does it cost to work with you? So it's not super difficult to find. It takes some time, but I recommend that if you're spending any dollar, don't go with the first person you find. Actually do your research, do your due diligence of who works, and then always test. Don't spend all of your money with one account until they've proven themselves with you. It's the same with uh, like in 1 million followers, as you remember, I interviewed a friend of mine who is the chief growth officer for a company called FabFitFun. Uh-huh. They reached a billion dollar valuation um, in a matter of a few years and it was all through paid acquisition. And they've tested over 10,000 influencers. The last time I talked to them, it's probably well over that. And the thing is that they, you know, the model they have written on their walls is we love low CPAs. So that's their benchmark is they love low cost per acquisition, so everything that they do is benchmarked across that, and that goes again to influencers. Is like they would test and constantly test these influencers. They wouldn't put all their money into Kim Kardashian. They would test to see well who's generating the content, who's generating the reach, the engagement, and that key KPI that we're going after. Same principles apply here: is you test and you iterate to find what is the best growth mechanism for hitting our key KPI. In this case, we're talking about social followers. Interesting. And so there was actually, before you move on, it was interesting, I was watching a video last night and I haven't seen the show, but Squid Game on Netflix mm -hmm. is the hot commodity. And I think it was Colin and Samir were doing a breakdown of it. And they said that one of the actors is now at 19.6 million followers off of that show. Vans, which the key characters are watching, their sales are up 7,000%. So again, it just goes back. And the thing that I want to ingrain in everybody's head is go where the traffic is, harness it to your ability. But just because you go where the traffic is doesn't necessarily mean it's going to correlate if the content's not there. Like for example, if Squid Game was no good, if the show sucked, would that actor have hit all of those followers? Would vans have that increase in sales? No. So just because you get on Netflix, just because you get on a meme account Or if you've ever run a paid ad, just because you're getting in front of people doesn't necessarily mean it's going to correlate to the action if the content is not designed properly.
0: Yeah. So I want to talk about the content, but on the topic of dollars, I mean, this is, I think, I mean, there's so many takeaways. I mean, I've got like just all these pages, all these pages that are earmarked in here, but you know, like one of the, I mean, you hear about it a lot, but something it seems like you've done is you just kind of split test. And so like in my mind, I'm thinking, okay. If I'm going to go target like a meme account, not only do I want to do a lighter budget with them, I probably want to test that piece of content organically on my own place, put some money behind it to see how it responds in cold traffic, even just like whatever, a few hundred bucks or something, and then try to show up and put play the hits basically, like give them the best, the, the best stuff that I already know performs, and then just basically use them to throw gasoline on the fire. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't... Put, so the way that I would approach that is see how it performs organically. If it's not performing organically, putting paid behind it, and we can talk about the algorithms if you want, but you're basically training the algorithms that your content's not good. So I'd rely heavily on the organic and your best performing organic ones, because I know people like a Jay Shetty, a Prince EA, even a Gary V, they have built massive audiences off the distribution of their content. However, their content performs well, so well organically that when a meme account takes it, and I'm not, you know, most of these people will do kind of like share for share deals or distribution deals, or like in your case, just friends reposting content. Their content is designed so well that it'll perform. So let me give you an example. Like there's a meme account called The Good Quote, and I I don't know what they're at followers wise now. They got to be over 20 million, but I know. Prince EA and Jay Shetty have a relationship with them. I don't believe it's paid, but the good quote will post their content because it's valuable content. And by the good quote, posting their content that can lead to 25 to 50,000 followers off a single post. However, if you, and we've tested with them, if you have a non-optimized piece of content that goes to a good quote or any meme account of that size, and it's not designed properly, especially from an organic perspective. Even if you're posting it on an account of that size, it may lead to like 500 followers or less. So again, it comes back to how good is the content designed to A, play to the reach of what the algorithms are looking for, and then designed in a way that's like, this person is really fascinating. This person is really interesting. I need to follow them and consume more of their content.
0: Talk to you soon. Now, when you say that, like people like Prince EA and whoever, that they have built their followings based on distribution, that's what you're saying is that basically they either you know their content performs well organically, and then they either build organic relationships with influencers, like what I'm talking about, or they'll just pay to have their content displayed somewhere where there's a lot of traffic.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say that Jay. Not Shady those two. Vincent. Not those two people yeah. specifically,
0: right? But yeah. just conceptually.
1: Yeah. And listen, their content is so dialed in that they're getting organic reach, which is leading for to, sure. to followers. Yeah. Um, for sure. They're like the best content creators, so. But they also understand the power of distribution of content on other channels. That just fuels that growth even further. Again, going back to the analogy of like The Rock, The Rock started on the WWE, the wrestling federation. So that was one channel. And then he's like, okay, this is interesting, but I want to diversify my brand. So then he was in movies, and then he was on magazines, then he was on television shows. It's It's syndicating out that reach, which keeps amplifying... That brand, you know, it keeps amplifying and going in these different directions. It's not just pigeonholing yourself into one distribution outlet, being your own channel, it's going to all of the different audiences and driving it back to you yourself.
0: Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. So you've mentioned the content, obviously, which is normally where we, we probably should you know start the conversation. I think what's awesome is you go, yeah, you post it organically. If it's a winner organically, then it should perform somewhere else. Is there anything? Because I do want to talk about hook point. I'm fascinated. I think it's a, a wonderful title and concept. But on, on the topic of content, is there anything that you feel like? I mean, I know there's a lot you've got to say about this, that people could obviously get the books. But on content design specifically, is there anything you think that we should know that we maybe haven't heard somewhere else or you think people overlook?
1: Yeah. And this is one of the core focuses of how we work with people today is working with solopreneurs all the way up to companies that are doing $30 a year in, in revenue. We find that most people are struggling to achieve success with social, whether it's paid or organic or struggling to break through to the next level is their lacking process. And we have a viral content engineering process that's backed by over 50 billion views organically. We've generated hundreds of millions of followers for our clients using it and billions in revenue. And that is the biggest thing is most people are just designing content in a vacuum. They'll basically set brand guidelines and ideate off of that, or they'll just come up with ideas that they like without actually having a process of how to engineer virality. And there's a lot of misinformation in the market today, mainly because a lot of it has been outdated. So you'll hear a lot about consistency, frequency, hashtags, time of day, all of those things to drive growth. And yes, was there a point in time in social media that that stuff worked? Yes, but it really doesn't work as well anymore if your content's not dialed in. And the reason is the amount of people on social media. So we, I remember when I first started in the in, in this space, Friendster was kind of on the fringe, but MySpace was the big player. And I remember when MySpace hit a million users, we're like, oh my God, that's a ton of people using this social media platform. And this was like 2005, 2006. You fast forward to today, there's 3.96 billion people on social media. And there's hundreds of billions of pieces of content seeded on these platforms every single day. So we went from a million people on MySpace to 3.96 billion people producing hundreds of billions of pieces of content every single day. So what does that mean? I mean, there's only, when you open up any of these apps, no matter which one, they can only seed you one piece of content at a time. It's not like they can seed you a million pieces of content for you to choose from. So the algorithms, and there's a lot of conversation around the algorithms, what they are, there's a lot of demonization, there's a lot of myths about Mm -hmm. it, like one of the biggest myths about algorithms, they're there to get you, they're suppressing your reach to get you to pay for it, and it's completely false, because then that means nobody would go viral organically if that was the case. The algorithms have one job and one job only, to keep people on the platform longer, because the longer you stay on the platform... The more ads they can serve you. In addition, that means they're having a better experience and it takes your attention away from the other social platforms. So these algorithms have billions and billions of pieces of content to choose from to keep you on the platform longer. So that's where people are really struggling, is, and I've seen it across the board. I've seen people generate purely organic followers and have suppressed reach. And I've seen people that have generated purely off of paid and are going viral. So I've seen it across the board that the most important thing is the content. Is the content playing to what the algorithms are looking for, which is holding people's attention? Now I'll give you an example. As I we're launching a magazine called Viral Content Engineering, and I was interviewing a friend of mine that just hit 20 million followers on TikTok. And his name is Alex Stemp. You should look him up. He's amazing. And we were doing an analysis of his content. We looked at his highest viewed video, which was 90 million views. And we looked at another video that was 5 million views, which is kind of like the 5 mil- 3 to 5 million is, is average. The 90 million view, the retention was 28 seconds average. The 5 million was 21 seconds. So we're talking about a seven second differential that made up 85 million views in performance. Wow, That's the world that we're living in. That's, it's, it's just a cutthroat world based upon the amount of content that's published out there. So that's where it's really having a solid process to follow in creating content is critical so that you're not relying on luck.
0: Yeah, so basically you're talking about a structure and a process for ideating, shooting, editing content that's just holding people's attention for as long as possible and in this case it's that that extreme like 7 seconds can make a massive massive difference but that's really it's really the game. It's not even Necessarily to make good content. It's just to make content that holds people's attention, which doesn't necessarily have to be good well, per se. I don't
1: know that I agree with that. I would say that to hold people's attention, there has to be something that's good about it because of the amount of choice that we have in terms of content. Because if the content's not good, I know that there's 50 other pieces of content I can find. And I would say the best content creators in the world that hold attention. Are doing a good job of it. That doesn't mean it has to be high production value. It doesn't have to be a motion picture, but the storytelling technique is good. Like, I can give you some examples is like the Dodo is an amazing account. It's all about pets and rescuing pets and things. And most of it's found footage, or if they're doing interviews at Zoom interviews, the quality of the production is low, but the storytelling is amazing. Like, it really connects with your heartstrings about these animals and these rescues and things like that. Another thing is like the top YouTubers use what's called the Jenga effect, which is if you ever played Jenga, you know that you have all these blocks stacked up on a table. And with each one you pull out, you're closer to the outcome, which is the whole thing falling. But with each block that is pulled out, the tension builds. You know what the outcome is, but the tension keeps rising. So an example of it is there's a YouTuber that's amazing named Graham Stefan, and he teaches... Like millennials about financing. And he did a video. His number one video, I think, is about how he got a Tesla for seventy six dollars. And if you watch that video, he doesn't reveal the math of how he actually did it until like eight or nine minutes in. But that doesn't mean that he's filling it with fluff just to rig the system. He has a storytelling technique that kind of ebbs and flows and builds that tension to the eventual outcome. Mr. Beast, one of the top YouTubers in the world, does the same thing is, you look at his crazy stunts and you think, oh, it's just a crazy stunt pulling people in. But it's not. It's his storytelling that builds the ultimate outcome that you came in for. Man, yeah,
0: that is fascinating. Okay, we have to spend a few minutes on hook point. because this is This is what you're talking about now. So you hear people say this all the time what's the like what's the hook what's the hook or they say that in music what's the hook like they say that at the cover of a book title like what's the hook what the heck is the hook like when people say that like what do they mean and what is a hook
1: point so for us there's three key pillars to a successful hook point so first is like how do you grab that attention how do you stop the scroll how do you earn the click because without that in the the world that we live in with those billions of competing messages people are going to move on because there's so much choice so your first job as a brand as a marketer with any piece of content you're creating, whether it's organic or paid, is how are you stopping the scroll? How are you earning the click? How are you getting that email open? Because without that, you're never gonna get to your story. You will never get to retaining the audience's attention. So you get completely lost in the noise. And that's the first signal to an algorithm that your content is not gonna retain attention. Because if they see people scrolling past or not clicking, they're automatically suppressing reach. The second part is once you have the attention, How do you hold it? Because clickbait is kind of gone in a way that the algorithms have picked up on it. I'm not going to say that there's nobody that's successful with it, but the algorithms and even the auctions too are looking at your ability to hold that attention because all the attention in the world with no substance doesn't mean anything. So, how compelling is your story to maintain that attention? And then, third and finally, is how are you monetizing that attention? How does it play to the overall growth? of your company, of your brand. Now that doesn't mean that every piece of content has to sell something, but there has to be an underlying foundation and monetization strategy to make it sustainable because otherwise you're going to burn out or you're not going to have the time or the resources or the money to keep reinvesting in it. So again, the way that we look at a hook point is a holistic picture is how do we grab attention, hold attention, and then monetize that attention. And in terms of stopping the
0: scroll grabbing attention. Like you mentioned clickbait, right? So that would be the sort of like the lowest form of it. I mean, how do we stop the scroll? I mean, you know, it's, it's it's one thing and I'd like you to think specifically about like experts here. A lot of our audience is experts. If you're an entertainer, you know, I think it is a little bit different if you're showing a cat hanging off the side of a building that grabs our attention. Or if you're a news channel, you've got some scary statistic or something that grabs our attention. But if you're just a, an expert trying to like teach people how to save money on their taxes, or a lawyer trying to talk about your business or an author or something, how do you grab the attention without like what are the ways to really capture attention without kind of the, I guess, spamminess kind of things?
1: Well, the first place you have to do is you have to start with research. You have to identify the patterns. Of what people are talking about of your subject, and also identify the patterns of what's happening in content. So let's break down both of those. First, understanding what and how people are saying about your subject in your specific niche, because the minute somebody sees something and they think that they already know what you're gonna say, they're moving on. Even though you may have a completely different spin on it, it's like if you're a meditation teacher and you say in the first three seconds, meditation is the key to content or Success or whatever. And I think, okay, I already know that I'm moving on. I'm not giving it a second thought. So, identifying the patterns of what everybody else is saying so that you can break those patterns and stand out. Secondarily, you have to understand that people are scrolling through social media. So, they just watch LeBron James junk a basketball. They watch the Squid Games trailer. They watch Kevin Hart tell a joke. Now, your piece of content comes up. So, understanding how do I break that pattern of all of these things? that they've said already. So that is the fundamental core of where you start. Now there's nuanced details for each specific sector or industry that you can play with, but in order to design an effective hook point, you have to identify the patterns so that you can break them. And that's where most people are going wrong with it.
0: And that's what I heard you say is both the pattern of what other people are saying on your topic and the overall pattern. In the way that content is being presented by anybody. Yeah, um, which is which is interesting. It's like even a video on certain platforms a couple of years ago, just the fact there was a video would be a pattern interrupt. And today it's not at all because we all are used to seeing content that way in the feed. Phenomenal stuff. Brandon, where do you want people to go? This is this was awesome, man. Like you're really, really brilliant and just have a real natural mind for this. And I love it because I don't find it to be something. We're pretty good at making money, but I don't think we're as naturally good as the at the marketing pieces. And I love this. So where do you want people to go if they want to learn more and connect with you?
1: Yeah, if they want to learn more about the process, uh, they can go to hookpoint.com. There's a video that breaks down what we talked about in more detail, and there's a deck that they can download for free, or they can schedule a call with our team. Or if they want to check out the books for Hookpoint, they can buy it anywhere. Or if you go to book.hookpoint.com, there's additional add ons there, or book.1 millionfollowers.com. But I think, like, really, if you were intrigued, you want to dive in a little bit deeper, start with hookpoint.com because there's a lot of free information there that people can dig into. I love it,
0: man. Well, we will put a link there. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating stuff, practical stuff, and just a lot of fun, I think, in breaking this down. And I definitely recommend it. Obviously, that's why we had Brendan on the show. And thanks, man, for the gift of your your wisdom and spending some time with us. We wish you the best.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a true pleasure to connect with you and everybody listening to this. That's all we've got
0: for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news one of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So, as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free lifetime access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video, in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we will get you set up with free lifetime access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation.